giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Chad Pytel. And I'm your other host, Lindsay Christensen. I was talking to a friend the other day, and he said, I listen to your podcast, and that's like improv, Chad. That's oh, like you're yeah. on when you're on the show. That's so funny. It's true, though. If we actually, if we have an interview scheduled and then like it doesn't happen for whatever reason, I am like scattered. I'm a ball of energy because like unintentionally I'm like hyping myself up. (laughs) So that's a little bit about me. Well, this episode's going to be a lot about us. Yeah. I mean, hey, Chad. (laughs) Hey, Lindsay, what? How do you manage it all? Well, do I manage it all? Yeah, so I try. And uh, we'll talk about some of the ways that I try. Yeah. So today we're talking about work-life flow, which I read is a better term for it than work-life balance, Mm. or a more modern term for it, because balance suggests maybe an older kind of framework where your work and your life were totally separate. And now we kind of live in a world where, you know, we get pinged with work during our off time and we get pinged by our life during our work time and hours are changing and it's more of this like weaving throughout our day and weeks. Yeah, especially now working entirely from home, but also having everyone else be home. It's more flow than it is balance. (laughs) Yeah. Well, how do you manage it all? I preface almost every conversation I have these days with, I don't have children mm-hmm. because I realize I'm in a very different scenario and probably sound pretty annoying because <laughs> I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I've got lots of time to work out and read and cook as a result of being in quarantine. And I know many people are in have a very, very different boat, arguably the opposite boat where, Mm -hmm. you know, they have to figure out childcare as they're working. Yeah, that's been the hardest aspect of this whole situation has been managing that. And, And we, you know, we have two working parents, but lots of families don't have two parents. So even within realizing how hard it's been for me, I know other people, it's even harder. And so, it's required a lot of flexibility, and that's one of the things that when we first started this, uh, we were just reacting to the situation, and it got away from us. And a few weeks in, we really needed to write out a schedule. I, I shifted all my meetings to be in the morning so that I could be with the kids in the afternoon, and my wife did the reverse, and that was really important just entirely blocking out the calendar in order to be able to do Mm -hmm. that. Things are a little different now in that school's over, summer's here, and uh, my kids are 9 and 11, so they're relatively self-sufficient. They can be out, you know, going for a bike ride, wearing a mask, that kind of thing around the neighborhood. And so that has changed the dynamic as well. So I've back to working sort of a normal Mm -hmm. 9 to 5 schedule. Before... We were in quarantine. How did you manage your work schedule? Yeah, so probably about 
six months before that, I made a big change to my schedule because with what my job is and those kinds of things, I really felt if I didn't protect time on my calendar, my day would get entirely taken up by meetings and calls and that kind of thing. And I felt like I was really lacking the time to take care of a few important things that would always get pushed off because they weren't urgent. Those were writing, working on GitHub issues in our company handbook and improvement, continuous improvement stuff. I reserved a time on my calendar and the label is focus time. So it's a few solid hours with no specific agenda. It's just time I know I will not have a meeting. And so I can focus on something that needs to get done. Yeah, I I like to use that too. The time blocking for things that aren't necessarily meetings in order to, you know, one, make sure things aren't scheduled. But for me also, it's really helpful even just to manage myself and be like, try to only work on this thing for this hour or this two Mm -hmm. hours. That's a really good point. I think I approached it from a I'm not getting time to write, so I need to put it on my calendar and make sure that it happens. But the reverse can also be true if it's helpful to time box it and to say only spend this amount of time on it. That's also helpful. And I do find that it focuses the time. If I know I have an hour set aside for this kind of task right now, I'm usually pretty productive within that time. Mm Mm-hmm. And I also feel like I, you know, I have an Apple Notes file where I, if I have an idea for something I want to write or know that I need to write, I add it to there. And it's freeing sort of like to know I am going to have the time to get to this idea. I can add it to the list and I'll get to it eventually. I don't need to mm-hmm. worry that a bunch of time is going to go by and I'm not going to have had the time to work on it. For me, it's also not just like time boxing, but prioritizing something that maybe I've been putting off Mm -hmm. and saying, you know, this is the time you're going to do this. So for example, you know, sometimes we can get kind of swept up in executing on things and not taking time aside to like do analysis or focus more on strategy. So that's a common thing. I'll like block some time to do that kind of thinking Another one I have on my calendar is for our DEI work. So setting aside, you know, even just an hour a week as a reminder to myself and to block that time, like going to work on some of the DEI projects that we have and put aside the marketing stuff for at least that amount of time. Mm -hmm. So back before the pandemic, my schedule for working was different than it is now. What I used to do most days, I get up around 5.15, go for a run, do kids stuff, get the kids to school, and then commute into the office, work from about 8.30 to 5, head home, and I have a 45-minute commute, and then do family stuff. And then once kids were in bed, especially with the San Francisco studio, I would often do an hour or two of like catching up stuff in the evening. Mm -hmm. Now that's not happening anymore because having the commute time means I'm starting working at eight (laughs) with no commute time, working 
basically all day. I'm taking a break for lunch, which I didn't normally do when we were in the office. I didn't, I didn't take an extended break for lunch because I wanted to focus on work and then go home. And now that I don't have the commute time, working that schedule and stopping at five is 10 hours. <laughs> yeah. And I don't have the energy or the time to do another hour or two for work at seven, eight or nine, you know, it's just yeah. not, it's just not there. And you actually, cause we sat in the same room, you actually have an alarm on your phone for the end of the workday to leave. I did. That was started because I was accidentally not leaving. <laughs> and <laughs> well, that happens. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. your head's down on work and that kind of thing. So yeah, I had an alarm on my phone at five to make sure that I left on time. Having dinner with my family was something that was really super important to me and my family. So it's something that I always prioritize to be home for that. Yeah, I have to say, I think you set a good example from the top that certainly like impacts me. Like, I'm not going to lie, I probably take your lead on how you organize your schedule. And it's, I think, created positive habits for me and across for the the whole team as well. Like folks will actually not call each other out, but bring it up if they think, you know, someone might be burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. And, you know, I do work a lot. I mean, uh, working 10 hour days, I talk a lot about sustainable pace. And like, I know one thing I've learned over the years is that people have different paces that are sustainable for them. And so like, I know, I've been doing this for 17 years, right? So the pace that I work is sustainable for me by definition. But I also recognize that it's not the same for everybody. And the mm-hmm. way that I talk about it is like the reason why we work a sustainable pace is so that when it actually matters and you do need to work more to hit a deadline or to make something important happen, you have the energy to be able to do it. Sustainable pace doesn't mean that you never work late or never mm-hmm. surge. It means that you have the you're operating sustainably so that you have the ability to surge when it matters. Mm-hmm. When I started at Thoughtbot, I also got good reminders of sustainable pace and I you know, I was coming off working at a few startups where I worked too much and you know, I think within my first week our head of people ops was like, "Hey, uh just so you know, we you know, we really mean sustainable pace like don't be staying too late and i was like oh wow i've never had that happen before and then you know within the first quarter or whatever she was like hey you haven't taken any vacation time we do encourage you to take your vacation time and little things like that can make big impact and it also you know is important for companies i think something that kind of gets lost sometimes is if you're in this for the long haul you need people to have energy and to sustain, to be with you. And, you know, ThoughtBot has a longer than average retention in the tech industry. I think a big part of that is the the sustainable pace. Mm-hmm. In startup culture, especially from founders and that kind of thing, like there is a sense of now is not the time to be sustainable. Like this is the make or break moment. And I actually understand that and don't necessarily disagree. But I think you need to be very careful that you don't do that perpetually, (laughs) that there Mm -hmm. has to be a time where you're out of that mode. 
you can't sustain that mode forever and you can't build a healthy culture as your company grows like that. Yeah. And I mean, the work's just not going to be good. Like people work too much and mistakes are going to get made. You know, there's a lack of creativity. We can even start to be kind of hostile Mm -hmm. towards each other if we're not getting that recharge time. Yeah. And I've often said that there's a lot of things that people, CEOs, companies do that can be sort of like busy work or things that are done just because they're done. (laughs) And enforcing a schedule and enforcing the amount of time that you work and being relatively strict about it forces you to prioritize and to say, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to get to this. And if it's important, then we need to figure out a way to get it done or not do it. And I think that that's healthy. Yeah. It's a good forcing mechanism for, you know, realizing if you should be working on something at all. Yeah. So I had, when we were in the office, I had a similar schedule to yours. I didn't quite wake up at 5.15, but I I probably woke up around 6.30. I'd go to the gym. I'd commute in, which was maybe like a half hour to 45 minutes, depending on the subway. Try to take a break for lunch and then, you know, head out around 6, head home eat things. I'm certainly not eating as much like home-cooked meals as I am right now. Yeah. You know, obviously this has been a difficult time and uh, it hasn't been easy, but there are certain aspects. So I was already, oh, a, a thing about my schedule is that two days a week, almost all weeks for the past more than a year now, actually, <laughs> whoa, um, I've been working London hours two days a week. So instead of running at 515, I'll eat something quick and then start working because I was filling in as the managing director in the London office. And even though we've filled that, I'm still keeping that schedule. So that's something that is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So those days I'm finishing at two or so. So I was already working at home those two days a week, but the consistency of not having a commute, of being around family all the time, um, being able to cook meals together, that kind of thing is actually pretty nice. Yeah. I, again, from an extreme place of privilege, am really enjoying my quarantine. It sounds horrible to say. I, The time that I've gotten back from commuting, I feel like I'm using in really like personally fulfilling ways. I'm eating great. I'm working out a ton. Obviously spending tons of time with my girlfriend and my dog, although now he panics whenever we leave the house so that's a whole (laughs) other issue he like has separation anxiety to the extreme but yeah it's taken something that felt really stressful at first and forced me to really examine how i spend my hours in a good way Mm -hmm. so one of the things that i struggle with is that and i one of the ways i've dealt with it is blocking out the time on the calendar but what happens in general is I have an open calendar where the ThoughtBot team books meetings into it automatically, Mm -hmm. but also doing the sales work that I do, doing mentoring and that kind of thing. Like I use a Calendly, which is Mm -hmm. a tool where you you have a URL where people can see your live availability and book into it. And so if I don't set bounds to that by blocking off the time, 
then it's very likely that my whole day, many days will be filled with meetings. Yeah. I don't have that problem. (laughs) Okay. That's fine. (laughs) Which is, again, delightful. Mm -hmm. I probably average like three meetings Mm -hmm. a day. Mm -hmm. So I I have a considerable amount of flexibility in my schedule. Yeah. I'm looking at my calendar to see how many meetings a day that I have. So just to give people an idea, if I exclude the podcast... We got to count the, the podcast. It's okay, a, so if I count the podcast, a, I don't, yeah, I don't think block. of the podcast as a meeting, but okay, yes. If I include the podcast, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight meetings today. So far. Tomorrow's seven. Yeah, so that's typical. Like we do monthly calls with each studio, which that's those are happening this week. So it's probably one or two more meetings a day than usual. So let me ask you this. I have been in scenarios where I have schedules like that, where it's meetings all day. And then I'd find myself doing my, you know, quote unquote, real work after five o'clock. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that? But also, how do you switch context between meetings? Like, especially at your level, the CEO level, like you can be going at least four of those meetings are probably dealing with pretty serious stuff. Yeah. I don't like this phrase. For some reason, I respond negatively to it when people say like they have superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) But I think if I liked that phrase and wanted to use it, I think that might be one of my superpowers in that I don't have trouble context switching. It's It's not a pain that I feel, even to the point of like, I can go from that and meetings and all that kind of thing to programming. And Mm -hmm. I can have an active programming project that I'm working on or open. And I can go from a meeting and be like, I have 30 minutes right now. And I can make meaningful progress on that programming thing. And I know a lot of people would have a hard time switching contexts like that. Yeah, or like needing a little decompression. Right. So it's genetic. It might be genetic, yeah. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor, Scout APM. Scout APM is quickly becoming my go-to performance monitoring tool for Rails apps. I love opening it up and seeing a prioritized list of issues that I can quickly knock out before end users ever see them. With the weekly digest and alerts, I can rest easy knowing that Scout will let me know if issues arise. Ultimately, Scout APM empowers developers to spend more time building great products by minimizing the effort required to identify and resolve performance issues. Scout's developer-centric approach quickly pinpoints N plus one queries, memory bloat, and other abnormalities. Their tracing logic saves me a ton of time by tying bottlenecks back to the line of code causing the issue. It's pretty great. Give Scout a try for free today, and you'll have the performance insights you've been dreaming of within four minutes. Sign up through scoutapm.com slash giantrobots, and Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Once again, thanks to Scout APM for sponsoring today's episode. Now that I'm thinking about it, going back to when I've had schedules more like that, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's been... Like the routine of it helps you mm-hmm. with it. So if I have a schedule like I have now, that's more flexible. And then I have a day with eight meetings, that probably feels overwhelming. Yeah. 
But if I, every day I have full meetings and it's just like, all right, what are we getting done in this meeting? What are we getting done in this one? And on and mm-hmm. on. It's a little bit more natural. Yeah. So maybe the real answer is not genetics. It's practice. <laughs> what challenges do you have? Well, actually, I think right now I'm doing pretty good. And mm-hmm. when we went into quarantine, you know, I read all the articles <laughs> about how to kind of transition into remote work life from people who had already been doing it. And I was really strict with my routine about getting up early, working out, taking a shower, like putting on real clothes, putting on makeup, stopping for lunch, going for a walk every day, creating my little workspace in the house that I only do work in. And then like kind of closing that out at the end of the day and not going back into it. Some of that I've gotten a little bit more lenient with as I've kind of like figured out what works for me, but more or less I'm doing all of that every day and it's been really helpful. And actually I think maybe even if when we go back to the office, I think I'm actually picking up some good habits. Yeah. I was also doing that as well. The um, it's sort of funny because This is a life thing, not a work thing, but my workout schedule used to include a rest day on Fridays. And for the last few months, I've just not bothered. And so I've been running every day and I can feel that it's starting to catch up with me. So I need to uh, get that rest day back. Yeah. Now that you say that I did early on in quarantine, overdo it with the working out a few times and which then, you know, knocked me out for days and it totally ruined like everything I thought I was was doing right sustainable workouts are also (laughs) important and something you can learn about on giant robots (laughs) smashing each other giant robots yeah another interesting thing that's emerged well so for context I've been trying to cut down on my screen time over the last year or so Mm -hmm. like get unaddicted to social media Mm -hmm. and things like that And it's been okay. Slow going, you know, I'll like delete the apps, then I'll re-upload the apps. I remember when you like were running your phone in grayscale. I was running my phone in grayscale for a while. Yeah, do that every once in a while. And well, for one, people aren't doing anything interesting on Instagram (laughs) anymore. So maybe that helped. But um, actually, in a weird way, like the screen fatigue Mm -hmm. from working all day and never having a break from the screen has made me like less attached to my phone. Mm -hmm. Whereas like I always had it in my pocket. Now I'll be like, oh, I don't know where it is or it's dead. Imagine. (laughs) Oh, and over the last couple of months, I also bought a digital alarm clock so that I don't bring my phone in the bedroom. So I'm not like Mm -hmm. looking at it before bed or looking Mm -hmm. at it when I get up in the morning. It's interesting. I think in some ways, We've had a little bit of the reverse in our house. Like my wife and I would never really ever just like sit next to each other, both using our phones (laughs) because, you know, we saw each other in the morning and in the evening and that was time for being together. Now that we are together all the time, (laughs) there are definitely (laughs) times where it's like, yeah, we've talked to each other enough now. We can just sit here and use our phones. It's okay. And that was never okay before. That's really funny. Yeah. I also, in quarantine, though it's not really related, 
implemented like a self rule where like I can't look at any of my screens. I think it started off with like don't look at work stuff until 9am, but kind of evolved into like no screen time until 9am until you've kind of gone through all your morning feel good, set yourself up for positive day kind Mm. of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't do that. (laughs) I think part of it is, is one of the ways that I am able to keep up is by having a nascent awareness of things that are happening. And because we've got London going on, we've spanned so many time zones mm-hmm. that I actually find it less stressful and easier to keep up if I even just wake up and look at things right before mm-hmm. I go for a run. Because I just know that if I don't look at the team in London, I'll be wondering whether they need something from me or whatever. And so taking 10 minutes and just checking in in the morning before I go frees me up to then not worry about it, for example. Yeah. I've experimented with that and I think it doesn't work for me, at least right now. Yeah. Where it's like, well, I just want to check on that one thing Mm -hmm. and maybe I can provide valuable feedback at this point (laughs) that will help it get across the finish line. But then this other thing (laughs) pops up in like, you know, the email thread and I'm like, oh gosh. And then my wheels are turning. Yeah. I would find that just the time boxing of the workday a bit more allows me to be more productive. Mm -hmm. Are you doing anything for fun besides working out? No, no, I don't. (laughs) Just getting outside in any (laughs) possible way. Yeah. Uh, We're lucky to have a nice little yard here. So as soon as it was nice enough to be getting out there, spending a lot of time out in our yard, we pretty much go for a walk every single day, which is great. And then on the weekends, sometimes we're taking a really long walk just around like Somerville, Cambridge, or driving to like a chill hike. Mm -hmm. Also around here, pretty much. So, like, if you're familiar with the Boston area, like the different trails around the fells, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've been doing hikes almost every weekend. And, like, we're using all trails. You can filter by not only difficulty, but how busy they are. And so we choose, like, lightly trafficked, moderate hikes. Oh, cool. And, you know, they're 45 minutes, an hour outside of the city, but we just... We got nothing else to do. <laughs> so we drive right. out there and we usually only see one or two other people on the trail and it's great. That's cool. I'm trying to think what else we've been doing. We've done um wine tasting classes, virtual wine tasting classes mm-hmm. from a local natural wine bar that obviously had to to shut down, but then kind of quickly spun up these classes. It was a cool to see them sort of innovate like that. I, they were one of the first that was really doing something like this and really quickly gaining a lot of popularity and money. And they had kind of partnered with a wine distributor. So you could buy the bottles ahead of time, then you'd pay for the class, and then you could tip the person for the class. And especially at, in those early days, it felt social, like mm-hmm. you're in a Zoom where you see everyone in their houses and you know, you could unmute and say, like, it tastes like raspberries. And they'd be like, good job. So that was a lot of fun. But now that it's nice out, we haven't been, do- we right. haven't been doing almost any, any Zoom things. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot of wine tasting. Are you? <laughs> Just personal. Yes, personal wine tasting. 
<laughs> yeah. The big thing for me, you know, I've played online Dungeons and Dragons with a group of people every Thursday for a long, long time. And everyone not having anything else to do, different groups that I'm part of have all. So I'm playing in a traditional D&D group every Monday night remotely. Mm -hmm. And then on Tuesdays, every two weeks with a different group, like two people in our London studio and then three other people in London, which started in person. And then now it's online. I can I can still do it. Oh, that's cool. So there are some weeks where I'm playing games three nights a week, <laughs> three days a week. It's very different, but it's sort of neat. I believe a little project spun out of that remote. Yeah. So D &D. and that's another thing is like, um, I don't typically do side projects or that kind of thing. And I think that's another thing that's a difference because we're around, like, I would always prioritize family time on the weekends, mm -hmm. but because we're around all the time. And because the kids don't have any activity, so we would normally have soccer and Hebrew school and everything, and all that stuff moved online or got canceled. And so we had so much more time together that I actually felt like I had time to mm -hmm. work on a side project. And so that's what me and John, who's in the London studio, have been working on a virtual tabletop, which is, it's launched now. You can go to it. It's table.party online. I was going to say, now we need the CTA. What's yeah. the call to action? Yeah. So it's live and people are real live humans are using it? Yeah, we have it closed now. So like you can get access to it if you sponsor on Patreon as a beta user. Cool. I think it's $4 a month. So if you want to try it out, you can go to table.party. One thing I'm missing is the last few years, I usually go to Burning Man mm -hmm. in August and we have our own camp. And last year I was leading our camp. We hadn't like, we got an official theme camp, which is all this like paperwork and like proposals you have to go through. And it was really exciting. And it's canceled this year. Obviously now at the time it was like, what? I can't believe they're doing this. <laughs> but it took up like a huge part of my summer that I loved. Mm -hmm. Like I'd spend every weekend with a group of friends in someone's backyard, learning how to use tools and like building structures and sewing things and working on costumes. And so I'm, I'm definitely feeling the absence of that this year, in both in like seeing them working on just like creative projects in a funny way, even lesser. So the event itself, although I, I will miss that, there's like a lot of creative and community aspects around it that I miss. So try trying to think of some little creative projects mm -hmm. for myself to fill the gaps. But You could just run your own Burning Man in your house. Well, Chad, in the fall, I did have a backyard burn, obviously pre-COVID, where my, my campmates came over and we like turned my backyard into <laughs> a mini Burning Man. I even built a little wooden man and we like burned it in a pit. Wow. Yeah, it was the real deal. So we are talking about like, when could we do a social distance backyard burn? Mm -hmm. Like, is that in the foreseeable future? It's been kind of fun to think about that. Yeah. What now? Well, now I guess we're going to learn how the founders manage it all. What our startups are, are doing for their work-life flow, both themselves. And I'm curious also, like, 
you know, what do they communicate to their teams, if anything? Yeah, obviously, you know, so much of our conversation is is focused on how things are now versus how they were before. And I think that that is unavoidable, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I'm sure we'll hear similar from them. But I'm curious, especially since the different companies are at different stages, to see how they're and I wouldn't be surprised if some people say like, no, we, we work 90 hours a week or something, you know, something like that. And like, we're really in crunch. They won't admit it. I don't know. They won't admit it. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that comes to mind, you know, especially right now, obviously, we've got protests happening across the country. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of having a reckoning with systemic racism and police brutality. That really impacts your work life flow as well. Because you can't turn those things off, you know, especially if you're a member of those communities. Right. And this feeling of wanting to take action and wanting to do things, but also we're in the middle of a pandemic and that Mm -hmm. has made it difficult as well. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this a lot because I think we're both (laughs) struggling with Mm -hmm. it, like everyone trying to figure out how do we make an impact? How do we also think about sustainability in the context of making an impact Mm -hmm. and not just having a like momentary feeling of, you know, this is in the news, we're going to work on this this week. But like, how do we actually turn this into something that we're regularly thinking about and working on? And part of that is a bit thinking about how you manage your time as well as as energy. Yeah. You know, we at ThoughtBot, we use GitHub issues to track problems with the company. And we write down a lot of ways that we work and things that we do in Markdown and GitHub. And so we try to use that same flow we use to create products on ThoughtBot itself. And that rhythm, that sustainable pace of product development is important in the in the same way that you have to do that and figure out, you know, what's the next most important thing for me to work on? I'm going to do that. I'm going to move it through the backlog. I'm going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And then there's another thing at the top of the backlog that you pull from and you do it. That same flow, it's important to sort of like realize that this is a never ending backlog of things that we're going to work on and that we need to work on in order to fix systemic racism. I wrote the blog post that went out for ThoughtBot and Eric Bailey, he made a really good point. Like, I don't know how it was like, you know, there was like a hundred comments on it and or and fifty-five changes, or maybe the other way around. And he said, like, this is a good reminder of even just to put together a blog post, the amount of work it's going to take to work on these things and the amount of energy it's gonna to take to work on fixing mm-hmm. this problem. And and the amount of voices right. too. Right. Yeah. I feel like I have seen at least over the last few weeks a lot of folks communicating that their companies are Again, within my tech realm network, but it seems like folks are, you know, getting the message from a lot of companies to take the time if they need to, Um, you know, especially black folks, you know, if you need to take time off or tap out, like we can't even understand, you know, what what you're going through and you need to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. And while we go... (laughs) try to reckon with some of the things we, we haven't been doing well. Mm-hmm. One of the things that 
people in general and and we as well need to be careful about is like in this time where you want to take action one of the things that seems natural to do but is actually the wrong thing to do is go to your black team members and that kind of thing and start asking them a bunch of questions about what you should be doing and what like right. you're putting the problem on them at the worst possible time for doing that and mm-hmm. so you got to figure out other ways of learning and taking action to have an impact without placing the burden on them. Yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap up. And then, yeah, we'll check in with our founders and see what gets them through this grind that is a startup, see what their advice is for other founders and how to manage it and stay inspired and maybe inspire your team to do the same. Yeah. You can subscribe to the show and find notes for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. You can find me on Twitter at cpytel. And me on Twitter at lindsay3d. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening and see you next time. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. ThoughtBot is your expert design and development partner. Let's make your product and team a success.